Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Liam, playoffs are here. How's uh, how's things? How's, how's your season shaping up? How's, uh, how's all things Dynasty fancy gone? I'll be... I'll be honest, it's a surprise. Um, I didn't think I did as well in my leagues week to week as I have done when I've come to the playoffs. I'm in the playoffs in all but two of my dynasty leagues, and I've got about seven, I think, Um, excluding the dynasty listener league because I don't want to talk about that yet. Uh, (laughs) And then, yeah, fancy, as in redraft leagues, done pretty well in those. I'm in playoffs in all but a couple. home my home league that I've not missed playoffs in one twice um unfortunately just missed out on playoffs this week and it, it made me sad uh James Connor going off for 33 points just put the nail in the coffin lovely well yeah it's uh for me I I think I did a post on Twitter so I made the playoffs from 58 percent of my leagues which I was pretty pleased with um I'm the number one seed in my home league which is uh let's be honest all that matters but uh yeah I I did get knocked out of Scottish Fishbowl uh, oh, in the round of the playoffs, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to have made the playoffs. That was my aim. So, uh, yeah, not not too bad, but but could have been better. But uh, before we dive in, keen to remind you that uh, 
Yes, Liam. No cuts on your nuts' back. The Fabio <laughs> uh, Dunsley podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are still the best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, we've got that exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping uh, if you use the code of five yard. Liam, the, the reason people tune in, I'm sure, cocktail of the week. What, so, what have you got to brighten up my uh, my Tuesday evening? This one's actually going to brighten up your Tuesday uh, afternoon or evening because it's another limoncello cocktail, Rich. I know that you're a big fan. So lemon sunrise, this one is, if you're watching on YouTube. It is limoncello, orange juice, and grenadine. That is all you need, Rich. So three parts orange juice, one part limoncello, and then just top it off with a little bit of grenadine. Yes, I stirred the grenadine in just for you. There you go. That's good to so, so what you're saying, so you've basically just poured yourself a glass of orange juice and added some limoncello to it. Yeah, and you're calling, basically. And you're, and you're calling that a cocktail. Hey, you call a lot of things a cocktail, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could do a lot of cocktail makers out of a job with uh, simplicity like that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's let's, let's dive into the week. It has been... It was an interesting week for fantasy, but I think the last 24 hours have uh, have slightly... Slightly gone crazier, shall we say? But uh, Liam, who were the uh, who were the, the highest scorers of the week? Yeah, so as usual, high scorers we use full point touchdowns for quarterbacks and PPR for all of the positions. That is no tight end premium. Starting off at the quarterback position, we had Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I was lucky enough to have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on one of my contending rosters that that was in the first week of its playoffs this week. So. That uh, ended pretty well, I'll say that. So running backs, we had Dalvin Cook, who we faced in the Dynasty Listener League, Rich. 35 points on Thursday night was not a good good day for us. It was a bad start to the week, wasn't it? Yeah, and then as I said, James Conner, I faced him in my home redraft league, who knocked me out of playoff contention. If I'd won that matchup, I would have been in. And then... Rashad Penny, Rich, considering that Rashad Penny was a first-round pick, hasn't done anything for years. I know that a lot of people, including myself, had high hopes for him coming into the league, and he's done nothing. Had a, what was it, 26 points this week? Crazy. Yeah. I think, look, I, I'll throw myself in the Rashad Penny truthers camp. I think I've, I've luckily, I've, I've still got six <laughs> shares. I've held on to them since pretty much, his, I think, his rookie draft. But, um the, the talent's always been there. There's never any been any doubt that he is a very talented back and that he was capable of doing this. The problem's been that he's never stayed healthy. And um, you know, he, he's not done that this year. We saw that he was he was injured yet again. Um, so let's just hope that you know he can put together a couple of uh, of healthy games, show show the uh, the Seahawks what, what they drafted him to be, and then they're gonna pay him a load of money. And then he'll probably get injured again. So, uh, so yeah. If uh, I'll be honest, just just based on uh, perhaps Rashad Penny's track record, maybe it might be a an opportunity to sell high because he might not be healthy ever again. But I suppose the other the other uh, variable in the Penny world was Carson being a much better and more available back um, when he played. But now Chris Carson's. Exactly. That, so, that's where I was going with that, Rich. I, I could see you ready to jump in, so I left that to you. But yeah, now now Chris Carson's potentially not even going to finish his career. Um, 
or his full career, his full potential. Penny could be seeing a lot of work there. I mean, Adrian Peterson doesn't look like he's going to be the answer. So fingers crossed Rashad Penny actually shows something. This was the year that I was all in on Rashad Penny coming back and then he got injured and injured and I ended up dropping him in, in basically all of my leagues for other players and now look what happens. Uh, don't worry, guys. I'll let you know who I'm going to drop next so you, you can pick them up in all of your leagues. Over at the wide receiver position, we had Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and Hunter Renfro, someone that me and Louis spoke about a few weeks ago. Hunter Renfro, PPL machine during that game. You had at the tight end position, George Kittle with another monster week. Uh, Mark Andrews and then Dawson Knox, Rich. Dawson Knox absolutely having himself, uh, I wouldn't say a season, uh, a breakout season, but he definitely has come out of nowhere. Yeah, well, well I mean, credit, credit to you, Liam. I won't say he came out of nowhere. I believe in our pre-season podcast, I believe you were the one who was hyping him up as a, as a potential breakout at tight end. So, I did uh, say so, him once or twice, however, I won't take credit because I will admit that it was more of a tongue-in-cheek comment um, as if anyone's going to break out, I would, would have put my money on him, but I wouldn't have wanted to put any money on anyone because it's the tight end position. So I think, look, he's he's the tight end five currently in PPR. He's the tight end six if you look at points per game. Um, but I think for me, the most impressive thing is that he's played 11 games and seven of those 11 games, he's been a top 12 tight end. So, you know, he's been fairly consistent. You, he's had he's had four top five weeks in there. So, you know, whilst, yes, the Bills offence hasn't quite been what we'd hoped, and I know Stephon Diggs isn't producing what people will have paid for him at the beginning of the season, but Dawson Knox proved himself to be, a, you know, a, a very solid, reliable tight end. I, I wouldn't put him in that kind of elite tier. I think he's far from it. But I do think that, you know, he's a, a plug-and-play, set-it-and-forget-it tight end at the moment. And, uh, yeah, comfortable feeling, feeling happy with him if uh, if he's your only answer at tight end at the moment. Yeah, I've got a league where he's the only, um, only answer at tight end. And I somehow have got that team to the fifth seed in the playoffs this week. Um, I needed to win and then someone else to lose to get into the playoffs. And I managed to jump up an extra spot as well. And it was a weird one because I sold Jonathan Taylor in that league for Michael Pittman and uh, first and something else. So um, that one I was expecting to rebuild in and now I'm the fifth seed in the playoffs. So anything can happen, eh? Absolutely. I'll stop humble bragging now. So significant news. We have, um, it was looking like a bit of a, a down week on news. We didn't really have much to talk about. And then we had a lot of news in the past 24 hours. So let's start off with what's happened um, over the the past, over the week, over the games, shall we say. Um, Lamar Jackson had a right ankle sprain. It's not a high ankle sprain, which is good news. He's uh, possibly back this week. You've also got Kareem Hunt with a high ankle sprain. He's probably done for the fantasy season now. He's probably out for three to four weeks. Um, and I wouldn't trust him the first week back, um, especially if he comes back before those three weeks. So, yeah, he's probably done if you've got him on any contending rosters. You've got DJ Moore with a hamstring strain. He's day-to-day, but he could be out two to four weeks. That one's a big injury, Rich. Yeah, I think Matt, Matt Rule's come out and said he's day-to-day. But to me, if it's a hamstring strain, 
you know, that's not something you want to be messing with of a wide receiver. I, I'm expecting him to be, at least miss some time. Um, I think, you know, if what one of the Panthers got to rush him back, there's there's no need. I do wonder if we're going to see him sit for uh, at least a couple of weeks. I was about to say that. So Josh Allen with turf toe as well. So he um, is expected to play, but that could limit his rushing upside, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you know... 50% of the the reason we love Josh Allen is that rushing production. You know, he had a 100-yard game on Sunday. And turf toe, most players, it misses time. I guess with the quarterback, you can, you know, wrap it up and, and just soldier on as such. But um, I'm, I'm fully expecting that's going to limit his his rushing upside. Well, if you look at um, if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he broke his pinky toe. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's still a big injury. And he, he still big- played Turned into Big Ben with him out and he's moaning about it, isn't he? <laughs> Definitely. I'll agree with you on that one. So Terry McLaurin had a concussion. He left the game. He's likely out this week, but with concussion protocol, we do see people come back. Um, I mean, Mike Glennon, even though he's a quarterback, did come back from concussion within one week. But I'd expect um, the Washington football team to err outside of caution with McLaurin as a wide receiver and probably more prone to those hits anyway. You've got Austin Eckler with a la- uh, left ankle sprain. He's expected to play on Thursday, but then I've also seen reports that he could be out for two weeks. And the, the team are staying obviously really quiet because they don't want to give any anything away, with especially with a short week. So this one could go either way. And I've got Eckler in a lot of contending teams. Yeah, I think... Look, the when the news broke, I, I sort of thought that he was going to be out. You know, he left the game, he didn't return. I thought that was it. He was going to be out for a couple of weeks. But then Brandon Staley's come out and said, he's fine. He's going to play. He could have returned to the game. They just didn't need him to as such. So it's made me a little bit more confident. I'm still very nervous. I, I wrote up Justin Jackson in the, the waiver wire article today. I think he's probably next man up. Um, but I also think potentially Josh Kelly could uh, could be worth monitoring. If, if I'm in my playoffs, I'm not feeling comfortable starting either, if I'm being honest. So let's just hope Austin Eckler is good to go in, in what should be a really good matchup against the Chiefs on Thursday. So Tony Pollard also had an injury. Now, this is the technical term, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's plantar fascia. Fascia. Tear. Fascia. There you go, Rich. Um, I did have a look, and it is the ligament on the bottom of your foot. So on the sole of your foot. Very, as, as someone that's torn their plantar fascia, it's very painful. So you're probably looking at Corey Clement. Um, and the only reason I put this on here is if Zeke goes down, which um, he, he looks to be battling injuries at the moment. If Zeke does go down, Corey Clement's probably the uh, back to own in, in Dallas. Then, Rich, there's been a whole lot of news over the past 24 hours, probably over the past few hours. Um, before recording on Tuesday night. So do you want to give us a breakdown of this? Yeah, it's, you'll, you'll have to excuse me because it's sort of all coming through thick and fast and it's been the last hour probably. But uh, yeah, so first of all, news broke that the Browns have got eight positive cases of, uh, of COVID within the team. Now, um, one of them was Jarvis Landry. Um, they also had a couple of their key offensive linemen, I believe Wyatt Teller and Jedrick Wills were, were both there. So could be a huge impact in terms of that, you know, arguably the best offensive line in the league, missing two key pieces. Um, Then after that, news broke that the Rams have shut their 
um, practice facility and sent everybody home for today. Um, it's since broken after that that Odell Beckham has tested positive for COVID. Um, and then almost just to top it off, uh, Christian McCaffrey has also tested positive in the last few minutes, which um, normally wouldn't be that that newsworthy given the fact that he's currently sat on IR and done for the year. But um, interestingly, he was on the sideline on Sunday um, and you, you do wonder if there could potentially be more positive cases to come. Normally, most players who are on IR don't travel with the team, don't, don't come to home games. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a... A little bit higher profile than the average person. Um, but yeah, the fact he was around the team and has tested positive does make me wonder. It, it could be a very stressful few days for those uh, setting, uh, setting lineups in uh, in the first week of the playoffs. The other one that you didn't mention, Rich, was um, Austin Hooper. Now, he's not been massively fantasy relevant for, for probably for those two tight end leagues. Um, he's also gone to the COVID IR. And then the final bit of significant news, and I'm sure everyone's glad to hear this, bye weeks are done, guys. You don't have to worry about bye weeks anymore. You've just got to worry about all these COVID cases coming in. So, yeah, Rich, take us through the dynasty stock market. Who's your first riser this week? So I, I thought I'd, you know, there, there was some obvious names that had fantastic weeks, and, and I think we're going to get to a couple of them a bit later on. But... One big riser that I wanted to get to certainly burned a lot of people early on in the season. It was Robbie Anderson. Um, it seems basically perhaps his issue was with Sam Darnold and, and nothing else. And uh, he, we talked about DJ Moore getting injured on Sunday, but Robbie Anderson commanded 12 targets, caught seven of them for 84 yards and a touchdown. So he's shown great rapport with, with Cam Newton. He obviously caught the touchdown from PJ Walker. Um to me, he, he looked like the receiver he'd always been on Sunday. Um, I just do wonder if perhaps he just doesn't like Sam Darnold and, uh, and maybe we could see Robbie Anderson go back to being the uh, the player we all hoped he'd be down the stretch. I find it crazy, the, the Robbie Anderson um, season so far. So he's had a pretty easy schedule looking on sleeper. Um you can see a lot of green with his opponents, which is always good news for a wide receiver. He's also on pace for over 100 targets this season in a 17-game season, which, yeah, that's crazy. But he's not done anything with those targets so far. And as you said, it might be Sam Darnold rather than Cam Newton. But um, he's definitely burned me in one league that I was hoping to contend this year and very quickly found out that I was not going to contend with Calvin Ridley disappearing, um, Robbie Anderson being my wide receiver too, Golladay not doing anything. Um, but yeah, Robbie Anderson, I think he had a great week, but I'm still really, really cautious, especially with the, the swapping that could be happening with Cam and PJ Walker. Um, I know that Matt Rawl came out and said that he's happy to keep swapping them during games, which I'm not too keen about, especially was... when when you're trying to um, have a have a proper wide receiver one there. So the report I read was that um, they think Cam Newton doesn't have a good enough grasp on the two minute offense, which is why they put PJ Walker in. But I mean, it basically feels like every time PJ Walker comes into the game, he throws a pick. So I'm, I don't see how Cam Newton could be any worse than that, to be quite frank. So, yes, yeah, slight, slightly strange decisions. But then this is a team that has, you know, 
in the space of what 18 months moved on from Cam Newton, moved on for Teddy Bridgewater, moved on from Sam Darnold, moved on for PJ Walker, brought back Cam Newton, and then moved on from him again. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure they're they're the best uh, franchise to be uh, to be viewing quarterback decisions on. I'm interested in what Terrace Marshall does with this little bit of opportunity. I know he's been uh, injured for a lot of this season and he's not done anything when he wasn't injured. But now the, there's no DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson could be just getting force-fed targets. Maybe we see a little bit from Terrace Marshall. I think that's more hope at this point, though. Yeah, I've, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Terrace Marshall fan. I wasn't a fan coming into the season. Um, I think that's... You know, was was quite pleasing from a personal takes perspective that I, I seem to have got Terrace Marshall right so far. Um, you know, my thoughts on rookies that don't produce, I'm pretty much out on. Um, yeah, maybe this is his, his, you know, his last chance as far as I'm concerned. If he doesn't do anything in these next few weeks, if DJ Moore's going to be missing time, then I don't, I don't have any shares as it is, but I'm certainly not going to be picking any up. Um, the next guy I wanted to talk about is a riser, Liam. Um, now, this is slightly slightly strange one because normally you'd look at this stat line. So it's 10 rushes for 37 yards and two touchdowns and three targets, three receptions for five yards. It's not exactly a, a stat line to write home about if you remove the touchdowns. Um, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, but for me, what I was hugely kind of taking as promising out of this was the fact that he saw two rushing attempts inside the 10. Um, and that's been the first time he's seen more than one rushing attempt inside the 10 since his debut game last year. Um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, two's not that much different to one. But uh, hopefully, you know, if he's going to start seeing some decent passer usage, if he's going to see three plus targets in a game, if he's going to start seeing some goal line work, maybe... CH can start paying back some of the uh, the costs that people had to spend to acquire him. I think you need to call the put the brakes on a little bit, call the Jets a little bit. Um, two rushing attempts rather than one does not make me feel <laughs> excited whatsoever. Um, they've still got a really good back in Darrell Williams. Um, with with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, he averaged 3.7 um, yards per carry. That's not brilliant it's not bad but it's not brilliant it um, carries an offensive line stat not a running back stat uh, i'd say it's both but no. uh, we're not going to agree on this Rich. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to agree but I'd, I'd still use it a little bit it's got to be something that you think about it <laughs> i still don't think that he's risen too much Especially no, it, just it just because you you've got the extra rushing attempt and you actually put it into the end zone this time. It was more that I thought it was noteworthy. You know, Clyde Edwards uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire finished as a top ten back this week, and I think that you know that is noteworthy if he's going to start getting that usage. And look, your value is always going to go up when you have a top ten week. Yes, definitely. The my my biggest concern is the passing. Yeah, uh, the passing usage. Yeah, um, he, he's not getting that at the moment, and especially in PPR leagues, which we tend to talk about. Your that's kind of not exactly the only thing you look at, but it is a big part of a running back's usage. So, if Absolutely. he's not getting that, then perfect. But, but I do moment, think I'm, I do think I'm holding that, off a little bit. It's going to be interesting to view because 
without wanting to get perhaps in too, in too deep, um, the issue the Chiefs have had all year is facing these cover too high um, defences that are basically saying to them, put 10, 12 plays together and score. And the Chiefs haven't been willing to do that. And you've seen the two block games they've had have both been against the Raiders and the Raiders have basically said, no, we're not going to follow this blueprint everybody's put out. We're going to try and run one high and, and run our traditional defence and they're getting torn apart. Um, so I do wonder if, you know, if the Chiefs are going to succeed down the stretch, if the Chiefs are going to succeed in the playoffs, they're going to have to basically take what the defence has given them a bit more. And to me, that is they're going to have to check the ball down and, and get the ball in, you know, those short to intermediate areas of the field. And I think if that's the case, Claudio Taleb receiving usage is only going to go up. Maybe, maybe I'm being hopeful, maybe not, but we'll uh, we'll leave that for uh, another day. The one thing I do want to jump in there with is both Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon, who have been the two backs to own uh, outside of CEH, have both done contract-wise this year. So unless either of them are signed, you're potentially looking at CEH getting the ball work there. Uh, yeah, they'll probably bring somebody in, won't they? But, uh, but yeah. I don't think um, it'll be anyone massive, though. No. Um, and then the Fallers. So I guess... I'm not sure if this is perhaps a, a, a negative on the player or, or more the situation, but it's James Robinson. Um, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a complete tyre fire at the moment. Um, who the hell knows what's going on there? The peripherals are there. So he had a 63% snap share. He had a 50% opportunity share, but he had six rushing attempts for four yards. Um, he absolutely killed me in, in a couple of leagues, including the Scott Fishbowl. Um, I will be holding that against him for forever. That he <laughs> um, but I think the interesting stat here is that so he averaged minus 0.3 yards before contact on those six rushing attempts. He, you know, every single yard that he picked up, he earned on Sunday. It's, you know, as I said, that offense is just putrid and he didn't exactly get the ball in, in good spots. Do you think that, We've seen the end of James Robinson. Obviously, Travis Etienne is back potentially next year. Do you think that James Robinson goes back to a potentially high-end handcuff, a sort of RB3, RB4, and never going to feel comfortable starting him again? I do. I think that he's going to go to, or he already is a volume-based back, and I don't think you will ever see him anything above that. It's tough because I think that he's a is a good player when he gets the touches. I just think that he's in an awful situation. And Trevor Lawrence came out and said that we need to get James Robinson on the pitch. And credit to credit to Jacksonville, they got him on the pitch. They just didn't use him at all. Um, I think yeah, it's I... just a bit of an awful situation. Yeah, you they scored no points, so they're always behind. They needed to throw the ball, and it just wasn't a good game for them whatsoever. Especially when Laquan Treadwell is one of your top wide receivers. Yeah, and then the other big faller. Uh, this this one absolutely killed me. I uh, I went out on a, a bit of a you know a, a straw and uh, and stuck him up. He was my RB three in terms of rankings this week, and that was Antonio Gibson. Uh, I was above consensus, and yet he finished as the RB forty three. Um, I was really excited that with JD McKissick out we were finally going to see the Antonio Gibson that we saw week one and he was going to get some, uh, some passing usage, but he only saw two targets. 
Um, it, yeah, it's it's just brutal. I, I don't get the guy has got everything you'd want in terms of that receiving potential, but they just seem unwilling to give him the ball in the passing game. What do you think that there's any hope for, for him ever getting that receiving work? I think a lot of this comes down to the type of game that this was. So if you remember, Rich, and if any of the listeners, listeners actually watched the game or have gone back and watched or read the plays, Washington went down by a lot real early. They they had a defensive score, uh, or Dallas had a defensive score, as well as going up 7 nothing early on as well. So the, the game script was always a pass pass first um, game script but then you also had Taylor Heineke go out part way through this game which meant Carl Allen threw nine passes which screws up any type of game plan that they had at least for those nine passes and then looking at the stats they didn't throw the ball to the running back that much so they passed the ball for 34 attempts and they only threw to the running backs five times two of which went to Gibson and one to each of the other running backs there. So I just don't think that they're using the running back position as a pass catching position. The other thing to note is McLaurin came out of this game and that would have screwed up any of the passing work. But at least in my mind, I would have expected that passing work to kind of shift to your next best option, exactly. which who is on the field, which is Gibson. I just I just so, can't get it. Jay Terry McLaurin's out. Logan Thomas is out. Curtis Samuel's still not fully healthy. JD McKissick was out. And yet you're still not throwing the ball to Antonio Gibson. I just, I don't get what needs to happen for him to be used in the receiving game. It's just completely, completely mental for me. Um, but Liam, moving on to the player of the week. Who's your, your player of the week this week? So, Rich, this one might be a bit controversial, but I've decided to go with Justin Fields. Obviously, I watched the game very closely. Um, stayed up last or on Monday, Monday morning for a Sunday night for you guys in America to watch this game. And although Fields threw two interceptions, he still looked really good, and it scared me every time he got outside of the pocket because although our defense is playing really well at the moment, or at least for this season, I don't think we can deal with any type of rushing quarterback. Um, the, the the stat line isn't anything to jump off the charts about passing-wise. So we threw 33 passes, completed 18 of them. It's about 56% uh, completion rate. He only had 224 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's nothing to write home about. But he did have that rushing upside that everyone knew that Fields has. He ran a 4-4-4. Um, which is inc incredibly fast for a running back uh, for a quarterback. You'd probably expect that more from a wide receiver, but he still ran a four four four. He in the in this game he had nine rushing attempts for seventy four yards. That's seven point four points that Fields had on the get on the ground alone. He did lose one fumble. That is. His turnovers are a bit of an issue, but I would say that is a lot on the pressure that the Packers were putting on. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, Rich, because a touchdown completely swings this for him. 
if he scores a touchdown, he's a top, probably top four, I think, this week, top four, top five back, uh, quarterback this week. But he still scored 20 points. He was good, and he has that rushing floor and rushing upside with the touchdown. I think he's going to be, and I, although I hate this phrase, I think he is going to be the league winner this year, especially in the playoffs if you've got him. The next three um, matchups he's got on schedule, Minnesota Vikings, who haven't been brilliant, the Seattle Seahawks, who have lost um, Jamal Adams, Again, not a brilliant defense. And then in week 17 in your championship weeks, he's got um, New York Giants. Not great at all. So what do you think about this, Rich? Because I think he had a value dip when he wasn't playing and he wasn't playing very well. I think this is slowly bringing him back up to where he was, if not just a bit over where he was when he was drafted. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's quite reached that point, I think. I think he's still probably slightly undervalued. I think people um, are probably a little bit slow to jump back in. Um, I, I love Justin Fields. He was my QB2 coming out. And I think that the reason you love him is the rushing potential. And, and that's what we've seen the last few weeks, isn't it? Is that him actually being involved in the, the rushing game. And as you said, 74 yards, it's, you know, that's that's that extra touchdown and a half that, that you're putting on top of. Um, the kind of passing game. I, I do think his passing stats are slightly buoyed by the, I don't even know if you can call it a pass, the, the handoff to Joaquin Grant for the touchdown. You know, that's, yes. that's a, what was it, 60-yard touchdown? Um, yes, it was, yeah. if, if, if that's a turnaround and have the handoff to Joaquin Grant, that's, what are we talking, six points less that he scores just there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like Justin Fields. I think he's a, you know, he's QB 14 for me at the moment. I think he's a solid QB 2 for, for Dynasty. Um, I think calling him a league winner down the stretch, maybe in Superflex leagues. Um, I think if you're in a 1QB league and you're starting Justin Fields in your playoffs, you're, you're definitely braver than I because, uh, yeah, that's that's not a move I'd be doing. But I, I, I get what you're saying in terms of Superflex leagues. I think he's got the potential to be a really good kind of back-end QB1 in, in most of those weeks with those matchups. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I did mean to flex knees. If you're in one QB leagues, I wouldn't be starting him over any QB1 um, this year. So Fields, I think, will become a high-end QB2, low-end QB1 by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's nice to see him paying back what people draft him to be, quite frankly. Um, my player of the week, Liam. So I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. Um, forever undervalued, forever misunderstood. I think people, you know, look at Tyler Lockett and they're just like, oh, you know, he puts up all his stats in three or four weeks. You never, but to me, I've, I always liked Tyler Lockett because the guy can win you a week on his own. Um, and he certainly did it for me in my home league last week. Uh, so he had nine targets, caught five touchdowns, uh, five balls, sorry, not five touchdowns, for 140 that would have been a crazy touchdowns. Um, over the last few weeks, he's he's straight up outperforming DK Metcalf. I don't know what's going on in Seattle that they can't seem to manufacture touches for DK Metcalf. The guy's a freak and, and they're not getting the ball. But look, Tyler Lockett can just get open. You think if you were a defensive coordinator going up against Seattle, you'd say, 
right, we're going we're gonna to load the box. They want to run the ball. We're going to stop the ball. We're going to hit, try and stop those play-action deep shots and Russell scramble around deep shots. And yet, Tom, look, it gets open every single week. It is ridiculous. See, I think with Ty Larkett, I, coming into the season, thought about thought the same way that you did as oh yeah you're you're or as you said sorry he only puts up his points in like three or four weeks but I've owned him in one league this year and he's opened my eyes to, to what he is because he doesn't underperform per se yes he'll only get you five to ten points on a on a I'd say more of an average week but then as you said, he can win you a week by going up to 30-ish points any given Sunday. And if you've got that in a flex spot, then that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So he's finished as a top 24 receiver six times this year. So half his games, he's been a you know a wide receiver too. He's a cheaper three, chip Terry McLaurin. Yeah, in, right three of, in three of those games, he's been a top five wide receiver. Um, an interesting stat, so... Tyler Lockett, in terms of how PFF view kind of deep passes, they view deep targets as anything over 20 yards. He leads the league in deep targets with 35. You know, that's that's where you make your money. That's He's caught 17 of them, so he's catching half of those deep balls. That's, that's so exciting. I think, for me, he is perennially undervalued, perennially un- misunderstood. Um, I am very concerned because I do think that Russell Wilson... Is uh, is gone at the end of the season out of Seattle, um, but I think in terms of perhaps a cheap little, you know, piece you can go out and buy to help you in the playoffs. Um, I do think if if Tyler Lockett could 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 well be that guy. I think you can probably get him. I've, I've you can give him up the late first. Then value... that's a smash for me. Yeah, so I currently value him as a mid to late first. Um, I think I think you don't have to pay that. I think you can probably get him for two seconds. Um, in yeah. So. Yeah. If you're pushing in the playoffs and you need that extra flex upside play, two seconds for Tyler Lockett. I'd pay the late first that you're probably going to get if you're in the playoffs. But and two seconds will... is probably the more, as you said, the more uh, not reasonable offer, but the more likely offer that you're going to get accepted. And I think if you, if he balls out in a week in the playoffs in your flex spot and puts up a 30-point game, then then that's basically one you the week. Because if you're getting 30 points from your flex spot, you're delighted. Yes, you know, he, he might have a, a duff game, but he's still going to get, you know, 10 points. He's not going to completely disappear. Um, so for me, I think he's a, a really sneaky, under-the-radar option as we uh, as we head into the playoffs. Um, so the deep dive player of the week, um, perhaps not not such a deep dive now with the uh, the Jarvis Landry news, um, but it's Donovan People Jones. So since Odell Beckham's left, um, obviously we've seen Donovan People Jones flash. He's had three weeks in out of the last five where he's put double digit points. Um, on Sunday he saw seven targets, caught five of them for ninety yards. Um, I think the thing for me is that his his A dot is impressive. So he's had average depth of target as over 16 yards for the season. Um, I think it's an interesting one perhaps to monitor going into next season and perhaps this week's going to show what he is because Jarvis Landry is likely to be out of 
Cleveland at the end of the year. His, his contract is has got no more guaranteed money. Um, I can't believe, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think it's like 15 million. I can't believe the Browns are going to end up paying him that. So could Donovan Peoples-Jones step in as, you know, the target leader of the number one in that offence? Quite quite possibly. Um, I think we're going to see it this week uh, with no Jarvis Landry. Perhaps uh, perhaps he's, he's one to monitor. Um, it could be a sneaky little buy now um, ahead of the off-season. Uh, when his price could could go up as soon as Jarvis Landry's cut. Yeah, so I think with Jarvis Landry, the issue you're going to have with um, him next year is if they cut him, who else do they have in that wide receiver room? You've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Rashad Higgins is out, and Anthony Schwartz, uh, your, your top three options this year if Landry's out. And as I said, Higgins isn't even there next year. Um, maybe they bring someone in in the draft or in free agency, because as we've been saying all season, um, the wide receiver free agency is looking pretty good um, talent-wise. I'm just looking at the cap, and we had some news drop earlier today. I don't know whether you saw it, Rich, but um, the max cap is looking to be around 208 um, million next year with potential of that going even higher. The Cleveland Browns cap space next year, they're adjusted 219 mil, so they do need to make some savings. I just wonder whether it is actually going to be Landry that makes those savings well, for them. So just looking at Landry's contract now, so he's he's owed 16.5 million is his cap hit next year, Okay. He's got a dead cap hit of 1.5 million. So they can save 15 million by moving on from Jarvis Landry. Okay. Now, I'm fairly confident that you can move on from Jarvis Landry, save yourself 15 million, and go and find a better, more competent receiver in free agency for 15 million. Who do you think they're going to sign, though, Rich? I, I can see where you're coming from. Maybe you pick up uh, Juju Smith Schuster and um, coming off injury. Yeah, I, for, well, for about that. what seven eight mil, I, I can imagine something like that happening. I definitely, I think you'd have to pay Juju a, a bit more than seven or eight mil. But um, but yeah, I'd be I surprised after his injury this year. Yeah, um, I think, I think before be the injury, I think he'll be in the 12, 12 to fifteen million range would be my guess. Um, I'd rather, I'll be honest, this this might be an unpopular opinion. If I was the Browns, I'd rather release Jarvis Landry, save fifteen million. And go and pay Jameson Crowder five million to come and do the same job because I don't see Jarvis Landry as any better than Jameson Crowder right now. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I can see them getting rid of Landry, but I think that they've got to bring in a similar name to come in. I don't think they're going to bring Crowder in to be their wide receiver one. Maybe so. Just just thinking a few options, we could go and spend. Some money at Michael Gallup. You could go big fish hunting. Could you go and get Chris Godwin? Um, you know, there's probably not with their cap, but I think Chris, yeah, Chris I, I see your point. I just, I just think that I can easily see Donovan People Jones. I think at worst he's going to be the wide receiver two in this offense. I think that they're bringing an option in. I think, I think Jarvis Landry's gone. Um, I don't think they're going to roll forward with Donovan People Jones as the wide receiver one. But I think that he's shown over the past few weeks that if he's going to get a you know fifteen to twenty percent 
target share, then I think he could absolutely be be relevant and and be useful from a fantasy perspective. So, Rich, who have you got as your spotlight player of the week this week? So you highlighted him earlier. Um, I felt it was time that we had a chat about Hunter Renfro. Um, <laughs> the guy's incredible. Just uh, was it third and Renfro? They used to call it. Third and Renfro, yeah. He is a PPR machine. So on Sunday, he saw 14 targets. He had 13 receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown. He was the wide receiver three on the week. This is a guy, I'll hold my hands up here. I was offered Hunter Renfro at the beginning of the season for a third round pick. And you know that I don't value third or fourth round picks. And I said, jog on, Hunter Renfro is never going to be anything more than a a back end wide receiver four or five. I'm never going to start him. Man, I wish I had that. <laughs> uh, so, Hunter Everett, he's the wide receiver 12 on the season. Um, the guy's just been incredibly consistent. He just, you know, commands targets. He's been Derek Carr's best mate. He's had nine top 36 weeks. Um, I, I, there's there's no, nothing to be said. I think perhaps the hype's getting there a little bit now, but I still think he's, he's probably undervalued. Um, I've bumped him up in my survival kit. I, I put him in the same tier now as, as Donnell Mooney, Adam Thielen, Kadarius Tony. Um, so I'd value him as a high second, late first. Um, that, that's, that's how highly I think that I see no reason why this, yeah, he, he's not going to be a wide receiver one for fantasy, but I think that he could easily be a, probably a wide receiver three moving forward for the, for the next couple of years? I think I was in the same boat, but I was expecting Henry Ruggs, who what happened, it was completely unforeseen by anyone. Um, I was expecting him to take up a lot of the deep ball targets. And I was expecting Brian Edwards to do a lot more than what he's done, basically anything this season. Um, and then... Wall has also been on a on a on a down season this week on uh, this year. So I think everything has broken Hunter Renfro's way, and in the opposite way that both of us thought was going to happen in the season. And yes, we probably took too long speaking about Hunter Renfro up until a couple of weeks ago. So like twelve weeks during the season, uh, 11, 12 weeks, but. I think with Renfro, he is a top 36 receiver at the moment. I just wonder what they're going to do next season because you're going to have a new coach come in. I doubt that they're going to have a new GM, but they're definitely going to have a new coach. Do they bring in another wide receiver? And what does that wide receiver look like? Is it a Henry Ruggs replacement or is it a Hunter Renfro short down yardage replacement? Um I think a lot a lot on Hunter Renfro depends on what they do with Derek Carr. I think if Derek Carr's around, I think Hunter Renfro is still a very solid fancy option. Um, I think if Derek Carr's gone, I mean, they, they Derek Carr's contracts, he's owed, well, his cap hit is 19.8 million next year. So look, Derek Carr's a top 12 quarter, NFL quarterback, not fantasy. Um, I'd be shocked if if they don't they're either going to trade him for a haul or they're going to keep him around. And I think all the time he's there, I think Hunter Renfro could be could be really useful and uh, a decent little starter for you. 
I do think that he's a great pickup if you can if you picked him up during the season. I don't think I'd pay anything after last week or after the week just gone because I think you're probably having to pay a second, and I don't know whether I'd pay a second for him. See, I going forward after this I, year. I wonder if this is one of those times where. Everybody thinks that Hunter Renfro is a sell high because he's had this massive boom week that he almost becomes a buy because I think everybody's like, you know, I'm sure you're in, he, he got put on basically every trade block in leagues that I'm in. <laughs> and I think that everybody's like, oh, Hunter Renfro's blown up. Everybody's talking about Hunter Renfro. I want to sell him. And I think that if you sent a second round pick for Hunter Renfro now, the Hunter Renfro GM is probably very happy to take that second round pick because they Definitely. don't see the upside. But for me, I'm looking at it, I'd happily pay a second round pick for Hunter Renfro. I, you know me, I'm a big target guy. I think, you know, it's the reason I was all in on Deontay Johnson. To me, if a guy can get open, he can play with any quarterback. And Hunter Renfro can get open. He's a fantastic route runner. Yes, he's not a six foot four Adonis that plays on the outside and looks like DK Metcalf and runs like DK Metcalf. But you know, at the moment, Hunter Renfro can get open. DK Metcalf can't. And that, to me, I, I'm excited about Hunter Renfro moving forward because I think that he's undervalued. I think I could, you know, he's easily, to me, worth a second. And if you're saying to me that you don't think that's worth a buy, then I'm, to me, that's, that means I'm going to go out and, and make some Hunter Renfro offers because I'm confident I can get him for a second. I think if you can get in for a late second, if you're a contender and you need the extra piece, then sure. But I would much rather go and get a locket for two seconds than Hunter Renfro for a second. Um, it just depends on, on your league, and that's a bit of a cop-out answer. But I think if you can get Renfro for less than a second, I'd, I'd happily go for it. I'm just a bit sceptical going forward to see what actually happens in, in Las Vegas. So if I was offering you right now, I could offer you Hunter Renfro plus a third for Tyler Lockett. You'd take Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. What what if I was to offer you Hunter Renfro plus Donovan Peoples Jones? So Are you just picking people off the show sheet, Rich? No, exactly. <laughs> I thought let's let's pick the guys that we've talked about. Go on, I'm then. offering you Hunter Renfro and Donovan Peoples Jones for Tyler Lockett. Where where would you lean there? Tyler Lockett still. Yeah, see, I'm I honestly just just to, to give it put it in numbers, Tyler Lockett is currently my wide receiver 32 in my ranks. Hunter Renfro is my wide receiver 37. They are a tier separated in terms of my value chart. So I've got Hunter Renfro, he's worth 15 points. Tyler Lockett is worth 19. So the difference between them is a 2022 fourth, third round pick for me. So if you were offering me Renfro and a third for Lockett, I would say that is a perfectly even trade. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting hyped about Renfro, but I think you are higher than me on Renfro, but I think you're probably higher than most, to be honest. But I just think that a guy that can get open. A guy that is going to command targets, and we've seen him fed targets, what's not to love? I think going forward for this season, it's a great buy. But if I'm looking forward to following years, I'm not 
a huge fan of Renfro just because of the uncertainty. But then at the same time, I can see your points around Lockett and the uncertainty there with Rust. Um, uh, I'm just sceptical on Renfro, but I think he's going to be one of those players that is always going to produce weeks, probably not like this, but weeks that will get you 10 to 15 points and get you those targets, but he's probably not seen in that way by the dynasty community. I yeah. just think that that's what his legacy is going to be, third on Renfro, basically. Well, I am now, every league that I'm in the playoffs, that I'm, uh, I've not, the trade deadline hasn't passed, I'm now going to offer a second round pick for Hunter Renfro, and I'll let you know how many trades I get done, because to me, I think that's a, that's a smash deal. Okay, while you're doing that then, Rich, I'm going to speak about our last <laughs> little section. And with with this last little section, we didn't put out a listener questions, um, a listener questions tweet this week. And Rich, I know you're probably thinking that was me just messing up, but it's because I wanted to talk about the Dynasty Listener League. So, so with the Dynasty Listener League, it was difficult challenge to create some sort of league that was dynasty related but we wanted some sort of turnover and me and rich went back and forth for weeks um intermittently it wasn't every day for like three weeks don't worry we're not that sad um we'll probably talk about other things as well like other dynasty things but we we went back and forth and we finally came up with some sort of um some sort of format where we could get that turnover so we can get more of you listeners in here into this league but keep it as more as much of a dynasty format as possible considering we talk about dynasty every week so for those that don't know the the format is if you make the playoffs you stay in the league if you don't make the playoffs you're out and we get new owners in. But you, the new owners don't take over that specific roster. The roster that is then left because it was outside of the playoffs, they that roster then goes into a pool and gets dispersed completely. And all of those players are then open for the new owners to come in and try and build their team off what has been left over. There's no uh, the, the trade deadline is I believe week fourteen, Rich, um, or is it an open one? Because we, oh, I, I, think we I, I think we never agreed on this to be honest because no, I was campaigning I to get rid of it. So uh, I think that was one of the uh, many contentious decisions that we never actually made. But um, either way, there's a, there's not been a whole lot of trading, but there has been some trades. The one thing I wanted to to talk about is basically give a congratulations to the top six playoff teams. Um, so that would be Jason in the first seed, who has gone eleven and two, absolutely smashed, um, smashed it. He's the uncontended one seed. There was no maybe, maybe not last week. He was just completely out there. You also had Liam clinching a bye, not me, not me, me and Richard. Uh, not doing that well. We'll come on to that in a little bit. And then in the three seed, we had Phil, who it was his first dynasty league, which is crazy to me. Um, we had, I think it was three or four first 
um, dynasty players, first year dynasty players, which this league is not for first year dynasty players, in my opinion. I still find it a bit crazy and a bit uh, confusing. You've got Alex at seed four, Chandler at seed five, and then I, I was going to say we, but I messed up um, and forgot the rules. Um, so I created a rules book and the sixth seed was meant to be a wild card spot, which is where outside of the top five seeds that was based on record, the sixth seed is based on um, the the highest points scored in the season outside of those top five. And I completely forgot about that rule. So I was putting out updates saying that this is the this is what the playoff picture is going to look like in week 14. Um, and Mark, bless him, thought that he got into the into it i thought that he got into the playoffs and his spot was safe and then when i went back and had a look at the rules book uh, it did confirm what i suspected that i'd messed up so jonathan did make it into the um did make it into the playoffs interestingly jonathan was five and eight um but he had the second highest point scored on the season which is exactly why I put that rule into all of my dynasty leagues that I opened up this year, because I was fed up of playoffs having a, a weak six seed, which I don't think would have happened in this league, but I've definitely seen it in other leagues where someone had a really easy schedule and then put up like 90 points and gave someone basically a first round buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fed up of seeing it in my dynasty league, so I put in a wild card. So, unfortunately, we are saying goodbye to Mark, Stephen, Paul, Richard and Sam. And you might have noticed by now, listeners, that I haven't mentioned me or Rich. And that's for a very good reason. And we've tried to keep this as low priority as possible. But I cannot um, keep talking to you without letting you know that me and Rich came three, uh, went 3-11 and 11 in this league. We are dead last on both points scored and by record, um, I believe, Rich. So it it was an awful season for us. I don't think our draft was too bad. I just don't think that we caught a break with injuries going through this season. We lost a good couple of players throughout the year. Um, It was the first draft we'd ever done together, and um, I think we learned a lot. I think we both kind of were so busy trying not to offend the other one, I think we ended up conceding to each other a bit too much. But, uh, yeah, we kind of built the bulk of our roster around Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley, and, uh, yeah, that's that's not exactly been a a recipe for success this year, has it? No, and then T Higgins, which was your pick, not mine, just pointing that out. Uh, T Higgins has been fantastic down the stretch. He has been... Okay, he's not been what we thought he was, which we drafted him, drafted him as a dynasty um, wide receiver 12, I believe it was. Um, but no, so moving forward, what is going to happen in the league is me and Rich are going to stay and we've had a vote in the league um, that we are going to keep our roster and the other five rosters are going to be put into the dispersal draft. So for the rest of the league, we are keeping... Um, those listeners that have won spots at the start of the season in the league until the, the, the year runs through and they're going to set lineups, play out their toilet bowl and probably beat me and Rich because we've been doing awfully We, me and Rich are probably going to come last and, and win the toilet bowl if you can even say that um, 
And then we'll be looking for five new members to come in and take over those five listener spots. Rich, the one thing I haven't mentioned, which is the thing that I think we were both most excited about with this league, is you can actually steal players from the playoffs rosters when you're doing the dispersal draft as the five noon members. So it's it's an exciting time. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think we're going to, over the next uh, few months, I think maybe we'll get our heads together, Liam. Maybe we can run some competitions to get and decide who the new five gems are going to be. But uh, but yeah, I think it's an exciting time. It's a fantastic league. The, the guys that have been in it this year, thank you so much. It's been fantastic and, and really enjoyed being part of it. And hopefully Liam and I can uh, can get our act together and, uh, and put together <laughs> somewhat of a slightly more impressive roster next year. Yeah, come, come back and actually do okay in the playoffs. Uh, get into the playoffs, shall we say. But yeah, um, Keep your eyes open, guys, if you are interested. Uh, as Ritual has said, we'll come back with more updates. But I just wanted to say we'll be coming back with weekly updates to let you guys know who has been doing well in the playoffs and who hasn't been um, and see who actually wins this because there is a prize for the winner in this league, I believe, Rich, because it is a it is a five-yard rush listener league. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to remind you all, we'll, we'll be back next week. Christmas won't have come quite yet. Uh, I haven't talked to Liam, but I think we're, I'm intending to do a pod on the 28th. So uh, if Liam's eating too much turkey, I, I may well be going slow solo. Um, but we will be getting pods out for you over the next few weeks. Um, best of luck with all your playoff matchups this week. I hope to hear stories about uh, about contending teams that have, have got through to that crucial semi-final um, but yeah have a great week all have a great week Liam and, uh, and let's see you again next week live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.